0: As you saw in demonstration during the time of worship, tongues and interpretation of tongues, diverse kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues is equivalent to to prophecy. And prophecy is given for exhortation, for edification, and for comfort. Oftentimes in prophecy, along with the exhortation and the edification, comes really awesome instruction. All of those... Wonderful blessings were in place today as the spirit of prophecy flowed so freely in our midst. And so you have been exhorted, you have been edified, and you have been comforted, and you also have been instructed through the spirit of prophecy. And these things are to be coveted. And these things are to be desired earnestly by the local church. Not just for the pastor, but for all of us to be in operation and demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit as He wills. Amen? So I only say all that to say this, that a lot of my message has already been preached. Amen? And though it may not be on the, uh, on the CD... There was some tremendous instruction there and some demonstration. I'll tell you what, I'm totally refreshed. And I'm totally blessed by the Spirit of the living God. You know, the Bible says that now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit is, there is liberty. There is emancipation from bondage. You will discover that when the anointing is in operation in a praise service, in a teaching service, in a preaching service, that that anointing removes burdens. That anointing heals bodies. And that anointing destroys yokes. You know, you may have come in here today with kind of a yoke of... Oppression on you, that as the Holy Spirit began to move and began to declare and to say through the name of Jesus that mental oppression is being lifted, guess what? You're a changed person. And that's why it is so important to gather together, to be in community with one another, and not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. You know, this is a day not to take lightly. This is a day to be serious about the things of God. We're winding, God's winding things up here. Amen. In this little sliver of time between, the, between now and the rapture of the church, there's much work to do in the kingdom of God. And I believe that it's time for all hands to be on deck. Amen. Amen. Um, I was listening to a good friend of mine the other day and a friend of his teaches a lot on end times. He says, you know, it's really wild. He says, if you didn't know better, you'd think you were already in the tribulation. Yeah. Well, we know better. We know that the tribulation is around the corner. But I believe before the wrath and the tribulation, I believe that we're going to be caught up. I said, I believe we're going to be caught up. I believe we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And I'm not going to argue with people, you know, if you're a mid tribber or a post tribber that's fine. You believe what you want to believe? You know what? I, I have what I call pantheology. What do you mean by pantheology? I believe that sooner or later it's all going to pan out. But the bottom line is this, is we need to be ready for him to come. And then while, while we're being ready for him to come, we need to occupy until he comes. Because there, there's a lot to do. There's... There's a lot yet to happen in this nation. Some have said that God is finished with this nation. God has never been finished with this nation. As long as you are here, and the salt of the earth is here, and as long as we are proclaiming His name and praying, He'll never be through with this nation. Amen? Amen. Uh, But but there's some things that are, are, uh, you know, it's just like, Years ago, you know, you just knew that it was further out. But it's, it's just like there, there's a real bright cloud coming. And it's closer now than it's ever been. And that cloud is a cloud of His glory. That cloud is a cloud of His presence. On the other hand, in the world, there's darkness. Yeah. Amen? Aren't you glad you're on the light side? Yeah. Aren't you glad you're on the bright side? Yeah. But now you and I can do something about darkness penetrating our nation. And we're going to talk about those things. The Lord dropped in my heart a message called Overall. Everyone say overall. overall. Now at the end of this message, we're going to be having communion. So let's just take a look at some scriptures. And then I wanna I wanna say a few things that I believe are really important, and we'll talk a little bit about this next week as well. In Colossians two and verse fifteen, speaking of Jesus' victory over Satan, demons, and devils. The Bible says that he spoiled principalities and powers and that he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Coney Bear's translation says this, he disarmed the principalities and the powers which fought against him. Philip's translation says, he exposed them, shattered them, emptied them, and defeated them in his final glorious triumphant act. That sounds good to me. How about you? Who did he defeat? He defeated Satan and all of his cohorts. Amen? Amen. Rotherham's translation says, Jesus made an open example of them, celebrating a triumph over them thereby. Philip says, or Coney Bear says, he put them to an open shame, thank God, leading them captive in the triumph of Christ. Now, when a king in those days fought another king and defeated him, What they would do is they said that this king and his whole company was spoiled. And so what the victor would do is he would capture the king and some very important prisoners. And he would parade them through the town as a triumph or as a trophy of triumph. See, what this was exemplifying to them, that their enemy had been defeated. And that they were openly displaying their complete downfall before everyone to see. Well, that's what Jesus did to Satan. He spoiled Satan, displaying his triumph triumph over death, hell, and the grave before heaven, earth, and all of hell. The Bible says that he disarmed the principalities and powers, and he took the keys of hell and death. Thank God he did. One scripture says he put them to naught. What does put to naught mean? Simply, it means that he reduced that rat to nothing. He reduced those enemies that have been arrayed against you to nothing. Hallelujah! I can hear 1 John 3, 8, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy, that he might put to naught, to reduce to nothing the works of the devil. I am not looking at a congregation today that have been redeemed just for today. I'm looking at a congregation that has experienced an eternal release, an eternal redemption, an eternal freedom from all that hell would have to offer. Hebrews says it like this. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. Shout it with me. He obtained eternal redemption. Glory to God. You have been eternally redeemed. Hallelujah. Beck's translation says, He paid a price that frees us forever. Now we can rejoice what Christ did on the cross. But the work wasn't finished just on the cross. The complete work of redemption was not only in His death, not only in his burial, but also in his resurrection from the dead and his seating at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the full plan of redemption. It was God's awesome work in Jesus when he raised him from the dead. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 1, and I want you to notice with me verse 18, and we'll read several verses. Now understand this, that The enemy fights these truths. The enemy fights these truths through tradition. And we understand this, that when traditions replace truth, experience is replaced by an explanation. I'm going to say that again. When the traditions of man replace the truth, experience then is replaced by an explanation. Well, it is the truth, my dear brothers and sisters, and the truth only that will set us free. You know, as wonderful as Grandma is and as wonderful as her cookies are, if Grandma's doctrine doesn't line up with the Word of God, love Grandma, but throw the doctrine away. And as wonderful as some pastors are and as wonderful as some TV preachers are and radio preachers are and as good and as holy and as sanctified as they are, if what they're preaching doesn't line up with the truth of God's word, love them, but just excuse yourself from their doctrine. Are you listening to me? Jesus said that it is the traditions of men that make the word of God of none effect. And so when the traditions of men take preeminence over the truth of God's word, experience then is replaced by an explanation. I don't want to just hear explanations of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to experience it for myself. I don't just want an explanation of his healing. I want his healing power flowing from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. I don't just want to hear an explanation how that he was made poor that I through his poverty might be rich. I want to prosper in every area of my life. We must experience what he's clearly made so richly available to us. Amen. So. During the course of this message, you may hear some things that I don't know about that. I I went to another church and I'm not I'm not sure about that. Go to the word and find out for yourself. Are there scriptures? Are there scriptures that back up what's being taught? Are there scriptures that backs up what's being said? If you've got a solid foundation of scriptures, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. Where is the... Just, you know, when people go and talk about this and that, say, I don't mean to be ugly, but where's the scripture for that? Where, you know, is it in the red? What is the... Can you back up what you're saying by scripture? I mean, give me some word. I need some Word. I don't need just, you know, your explanation. I need the profound revelation of the Word of the living God. Amen. So, that being said, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that we may know three things, the hope of His calling. Secondly, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? Did you know that you have an inheritance, not just in heaven, but you have an inheritance here on earth? Your in Christ package includes blood-bought benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeems thy life from destruction. Who crowns thee with loving kindness. Glory to God! He satisfies our mouth with good things. So that our youth is renewed just like the eagles. So Paul is praying, Lord, help him see it. And I pray this all the time for myself. And I pray this all the time for you. Lord, help me to see what I see not. Help me to know what I know not. Help me to see it clearer. Help me to explain it under a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then he says, also... I want them to see what is the exceeding greatness of his power, which is toward believers. So this doesn't exclude believers. This includes believers. And he says, this exceeding great power is according to the working of his mighty power, mighty God, mighty power. Well, when? Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And what did he do when he raised him from the dead? He set him at his own right hand where? So would you set yourself in agreement with me today that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God? In heavenly places. Now notice the next verse. Where is that? Far above. Far above all. Amen. All means there ain't no more. There's nothing higher than him. He's far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name, come on, that is named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And He's put all things under His what? And gave Him to be the head over all things to who? The title of this morning's message is Over All. Over All. Over All. He, the head, put all things under his feet, which we are his body, and the feet are in the body, and gave him to be the head. He's the head over all. Well, if he's the head over all, and I'm part of his body, that means that I've been seated together with him in heavenly places over all. He that is joined unto the Lord has become one spirit. We need to get that revelation. We are not weak, barely getting along beggars, looking for a place of victory. We are seated with him in heavenly places far above all. Everyone say overall. overall. Now notice chapter 2, verse 1. Again, verse 22, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. One translation says it was for the church benefit that he did these things. For the benefit of the church. Now notice chapter 2, verse 1. And you. You know, that would make an awesome sermon right there. And you. And you. And you. And you. And you. And you. you, You're going to love me. (laughs) Had to throw that in there. (laughs) <laughs> Excuse me, I went and saw Motown last week in San Francisco. I got sunshine. We had a good time, and you, <laughs> and you have to quicken. That word quickened is the same word as raised. When he raised him from the dead, he quickened you from the dead. In the mind and in the sight of God, when he died, you died. When he was buried, you were buried. When he was raised, you were raised. When, whoo! When he was seated, you were seated! Mm. That's identification. A lot of people are wondering who they are. Listen, look in the pages of the Bible and find out who you are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Now, notice in verse 5 and verse 6, it says, And even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. This is a joint seating. Don't forget where you're seated. By grace you are saved. Now, notice verse 6. Read it with me. And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together. See, in the natural, we're here on earth. But in the spirit, we're seated with him. Amen. We're living in this world, but we are not of this world. Come on, somebody. So, logistically and legally, you are in Christ in heavenly places with him. Now... When you think of a person, you don't think of their head and their body as being separate, do you? I don't call my head Mark and my body Bill. We never separate our head from our body. And God never separates His head from His body. Say it with me. If my head has it, my body has it. And so Jesus then is the one that has been authorized in heaven. And then he said, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he, legit, he, he right away then transferred that authority to the church. Amen. Say it with me. All things, All things are under my feet. Under my feet. Now... There will be things in our lives that will try to ascend. There will be things in our lives that will try to rise up and get back into our lives. Anybody ever experienced that before? The things that try to ascend and the things that try to rise up, they don't come from above, they come from beneath. That's why it's important to keep those things under our feet. Because he'll try to slip out from under your feet if you're a gomer pile spiritually or if you become lazy spiritually. Those things will knock on the door of your life and try to rise up then and render this authority that you have as ineffective. So the question is, okay, I see that Jesus has been raised and I'm raised over all. I know that things try to rise up, but what do I do? Well, the first thing you don't do is you don't just sit there. You don't just sit there and say, Well, Kesarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. You must take the cards that you've been dealt in life. That's a lie. Religion disempowers the believer. Religion and Christianity are completely opposite. Yeah. Karl Marx said that religion is the opiate of the people. That are literally makes them feel like everything's alright, everything's good, whatever happens is going to happen. You have no control. No, Jesus gave you the keys of the kingdom of God. And keys represent authority. He said whatever you bind is bound. What a- Ooh! Whatever you lose is loose. Charles Camp said years ago, he said, you know what? If binding don't fix it, just bless God, loose it. <laughs> so the first thing you don't do is just sit there. You know, if you've been delivered from alcohol and alcohol tries to creep back into your refrigerator, you better do something about that. Hey, whatever you got to do, do it. Yeah. If that means cutting off certain people, certain friends, if that means going the opposite way home from work, yeah. you do something. Yeah. Yeah. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and notice with me in verses 3 through 5. Everybody doing all right? Yeah. We got th- this meal here now, it's a big meal, it's a good meal. Yeah. Amen. And I know I know enough not to preach till 1:30. Because I want to have a church left tomorrow. (laughs) But how many of you just believe God with me for these next moments? These next moments. God wants to speak some things to our heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we could look at verses 3 through 5 if you would, please. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So it tells us that there is a fight. You know what kind of fight it is? It's the fight of faith, right? Okay? And notice with me in verse 4, he says, Now the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they do not originate in the flesh. But these weapons of our warfare warfare are what? Okay, now, now let's just back up just a moment. Let's keep that verse up there. Now, let's ask ourselves, okay, well, the weapons of our warfare, okay. So I have weapons, but what are those weapons? Okay, I'm gonna ask you. I want you to to tell me, what are some of these weapons? Go ahead. The blood of Jesus, what else? The name of Jesus. What'd you say, Ruben? The word of God or the sword of the Spirit? What else? What else? What what other weapons do we have? How about the power of the Holy Ghost? You can't use with what we <laughs> you can't lose with what we have to use. Amen? So these weapons of our warfare. Now these weapons are mighty. But now these weapons are not meant just to sit there. These weapons are for you and I to use. The blood of Jesus is to be pleaded through the lips of a believer. The name of Jesus is to be proclaimed over sickness and disease. The name of Jesus is to be proclaimed over your soul. The Word of God is to be spoken daily and regularly. To where when the Word of God is spoken on a regular basis, it creates in you a stronghold of blessing and a stronghold of strength. And it is those weapons that are mighty. They're mighty. Now listen you do not have to be strong in the natural to use these weapons. You just have to be in the Lord. And now notice what they do. They pull down what? In other words, these things that try to ascend, these things that try to rise up, these weapons pull them down and bring them back down where they belong. Tony Cook said this. He said, you are either pulling down strongholds or strongholds are pulling you down. Amen. He said, You are either casting down imaginations, or imaginations are casting you down. And you're the one that makes the choice on which end of the spectrum you are. Notice with me in the next verse, chapter, verse 5. Would you read it with me? Ready, read. So let's break this down. Casting down imaginations or reasonings or things that are trying to come back up, every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God's word. And then what we do is with these weapons is we bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of the anointed one and his anointing. Now, here's what I had in my spirit the other day as I was considering what to preach on. I've been wanting to preach on there's a flood coming for weeks. I've also been wanting to preach on Abraham, greater faith. But the other day, I, I, just, I just couldn't get beyond it. I knew that I knew that I knew that I needed to preach on the authority of the believer. The, the authority of the believer. Yeah. And, and, and the, the words that came to me was, over all, authority. Over what? All. Over all. Now, let me read something to you. The value of our authority rests upon on the power behind that authority. Authority is delegated power, that which belonged to someone else but now is given to you. Here's an example a police officer cannot stop a car in his own strength. When in uniform, he is backed by the city or the state government, it is then that he has the power or authority to stop a car with one gesture. Stop. Amen? Now, this authority that's been delegated to you doesn't come from anyone other than God. And all heaven stands at attention when we put our hand out in the realm of the spirit and demand Satan to stop, Amen. he must desist in his maneuvers. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Lord, help me in these next few moments, I pray. Overall, 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 for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Jesus has annihilated sin for you. Therefore, we do not need to yield to sin any longer. Oh, now, Pastor Mark, you're just, off. you're way off now. After all, everyone needs to sin. You're wrong. Everyone does not need to sin. People do sin, but they don't need to sin. Come on now. Sin has no more authority over you any more than sickness and disease does. Amen. One thing that's really helped me in my life has been faith's confession the privilege of speaking words and one one scripture that I speak continuously about sin in my life is this I always do those things that are pleasing in my father's sight I always do those things that are pleasing in his sight so what that does is that builds a stronghold of faith on the inside of me so that when I come up to a point where I could yield to sin or yield to righteousness, that word just just comes right up. And I ask myself, would doing this please my Father? Come on. Would going out and getting drunk please my Father? Now, I'm not tempted with drunk. I'm not tempted with drugs anymore. Amen. But I use that as an illustration. How about this? Would committing adultery please my father? Well, absolutely not. How about this? Would getting angry with another believer and talking about them behind their back, would that please God? No. Listen, if it doesn't please him, we have nothing and no business with it. Yeah, yeah. Say it me. Sin, Sin has no dominion over me. Because I'm under the grace of God. Everyone say, overall. Overall. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How about condemnation? Condemnation. Keith Moore says this, that condemnation is the confidence killer. You know, when you've been condemned and felt bad about yourself, you didn't feel like going to church, did you? Brother Copeland says this, he says, when you sin, don't run from God, run to God. See, when you sin and you run from God, all there is out there is more sin. But when you run to the tower, when you run into his name, the Bible says that you become safer than the safe. Now listen, you have authority over all. As a parent, you have authority over what takes place in your home. Videos can turn your kids into idiots, And there's got to be a balance of entertainment in the home. Because you have noticed that the entertainment of this world will make dummies out of people. Now, I'm not against videos, I'm not against sports, I'm not against any of that. But what I am against is anything that becomes an idol in our lives. And you know what an idol is? An idol is anything that takes first place in a heart except apart from God. So as a parent now, you've got authority. You've got authority. If you're a single parent, you've got authority. You have dominion. That's your domain. As a dad, you've got authority. As When my kids, when my boys were little kids, we didn't say, okay, it's fine for you to stay home from church. You know, there's TV dinners in the fridge and, you know, enjoy all the videos and we'll be home in a few hours. That's given place to the devil. You have authority. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but my kids are unruly and my kids are beyond control. You're wrong. You've been given a name above every name. You've been given the mighty name of Jesus. Now, in the next few moments, we've got to get to it. And we're, we're just going over a lot of truth, but I've got to get to it. And say it with me head over all things, head over all things. To, the to the church. Now, we live in the United States of America, we live in this nation. Therefore, we have authority in this nation. Because you and I live in this nation, we can prevent jets from coming into Twin Towers. Because we're the salt, because we're the light. We have a right to stand up and say, All right, devil, you did this and you did that, but now you gotta stop. You've got to desist in your maneuvers. You have authority over weapons of mass destruction. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against this great nation shall prosper. Authority in this nation. Authority in this country. You know what? It's harvest time. Look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. And I want you to notice that uh, in the King James or New King James. Proverbs 10, verse 5. This is not a day for the body of Christ to be asleep on the job. You do realize that 9-11 is around the corner. And you do realize that there's a terrorist organization called ISIS that is nothing to wink at. They're not to fear. But they're as serious as a heart attack. They are as serious about terrorist attacks in this nation as you are going eating in about 10, 20 minutes. Now we don't fear them. But we don't just sit here in this day and this hour with our thumbs being twiddled. Well, the government will take care of it. The military will take care of it. The government, my brothers and sisters, is upon his shoulder. Last time I checked, the shoulder's in the body. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame. See, I believe for the body of Christ that it's high time for all of us to wake up out of sleep. I personally believe that Watergate never would have happened. I believe that Reagan would have never been shot. I believe that Kennedy's would have never been assassinated. I believe this: that 9/11 would have never happened if the Body of Christ would have been on its post, praying instead of playing, praying instead of playing church, praying instead of coming to churches and being entertained. That's not who we are here. You understand what I'm saying? We're serious about this. Look at your neighbor and say, we're serious about this. Now, come on now. This is our nation. This is our country. You can't have it, devil. This nation belongs to Him. One nation under God. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a royal nation who is light, who is salt, whose swords are sharp, whose tongues are ready like the pen of a ready writer to speak and to pierce darkness and to stop terrorism. Come on, somebody. So as far as us as pastors that have the eldership over this church, we are not going to sleep. And as a church, we're not going to sleep at the wheel. We are getting caught up in prayer in this church. And in the very near future, we're to get ahead of ourselves in prayer. See, when the activity of a church exceeds the prayer of the church, you've just got a religious organization. But when the spirit of prayer prevails and he's sought first, then things begin to work dynamically. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, makes tremendous power available, not just in our services so we can... Have a goosebump and feel God. I like today. I felt His presence. I'm all for it. But it's not just for that. The tremendous power that we can make available can absolutely influence the entire Bay Area. The power that you can make available by effectual praying can absolutely influence this whole state, this whole nation, and this whole world. So we're not going to sleep in harvest. Look at your name and say, "We're not sleeping, we're not sleeping. in harvest." Let, let, let me just let me just read to you a couple things, and then we're gonna we're gonna have communion and, and we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe God. And on Wednesday night, everyone say Wednesday night. Wednesday night. On this coming Wednesday night, we are going to have a prayer service before nine eleven, and it's going to be a prayer by precept, that means teaching, and it's going to be a. A prayer meeting by example, by prayer. So on PT and all of you to be ready. We may have different segments of praying. I want everybody that can possibly be here to be here. Now, I'm not ignorant. I know that some people work a lot of time till so 7 or 8 o'clock. And I understand you can't be here, some of you. But at least pray. And be applying the blood of Jesus over 9-11. Amen? Will you do it? Now, just some quick scriptures. Psalm says... Pull us out of the net, which they have secretly laid for us, for he is our strength. Psalm 57 says, they have prepared a net for our steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me into the midst of it. They themselves will fall. You know, the underwear bomber just about blew himself up. You heard about the underwear bomber? How stupid can you get? I am declaring safety in the airways. Brenda and I are going to Europe in a couple weeks. And uh, we're going to hit several cities in Europe. Brenda's been wanting to go on a Mediterranean cruise for years, and so we're going to do it. And uh, so we're going to be going all over the place. We're going to be hitting Venice, Rome, Croatia, Montenegro, you know, just Barcelona. We're going to actually preach in Barcelona. We're looking forward to that. But next Sunday, I want you to pray for safety for us. I want you to pray that our steps will be ordered by the Lord. Amen? And, and And I'm declaring that the airways are free and that not just because we're traveling but I'm declaring the angels encamp around about the airlines in Jesus name from north to south from border to border on our ports in Jesus name any evil plot that would rise up against this nation by the spirit of prayer we're going to break it Come on, we're going to do what? We're going to break it. We're going to stop it. Psalm 141 verse 9 and 10 says, Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Verse 10, Let the wicked fall into their own nets while we escape safely. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, there's a lot at stake in this hour in which we live. A lot at stake. Most of the money that goes into the missions around the world comes from the United States of America. Some of the wealthiest, wealthiest people in the world live in USA, and they're Christians. And they know how to sow. And therefore, the Bible says, I exhort that first of all, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. He said, for this is good and acceptable in God our Savior, who would have every set with me, it's his will will for every man to be saved saved. and to come to come. to to the knowledge of the truth. Does present President Obama need to be criticized? Do you suppose President Obama needs our prayers? Do you suppose the governor of this state and the mayors of these cities need our prayers? Do you suppose our senators and congresspeople need our prayers? You bet they need our prayers. And just as evil spirits can influence mankind, God, through his angels, can influence governors, cities, Nations and presidents. And this morning, we're going to pray right before we have communion. And we're going to take some dominion. Amen. Amen. So I want you all to stand to your feet right now. Say, may I live in this nation. nation. Therefore, I have authority authority. in this nation. nation. Jesus Jesus has been raised as head over all. For the benefit benefit of the church. church. This morning, morning, we lift our voice in one accord. accord, And we lift up this great nation. And we we pray this morning, taking our authority and taking our our dominion. Now just for the next few moments, just pray along.